You are listening to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the key issues and emerging trends affecting the global health and nutrition industry, helping businesses make informed decisions and drive change. And welcome to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. I'm Charlotte Bastianza, joined today by Paula Simpson, who is founder at NutriBloom Consulting. Thanks for joining me today, Paula. Thanks for having me. We're chatting today about the skin microbiome, and we're specifically looking at the market trends and opportunities in the space. The vast demographic of people are really interested in Nutri Cosmetics, um, from the younger generations who want to preserve their youthful health and beauty to older generations who really take healthy aging very seriously. And I think an emerging concept is um, that of the skin microbiome. And Paula, I'd love to hear more from you about why you think there's so much hype and movement around this topic. Yes, of course. Um, I mean, first of all, we know that there's been an increased incidence in adult um, chronic skin conditions, such as adult acne, uh, sensitive skin, um, immunocompromised skin conditions, such as dermatitis, psoriasis, eczema. Um, and so, you know, research is evolving to look at, you know, complementary and alternative ways that we can manage these conditions over the long yeah. term. But I think the funny thing is around the skin microbiome is that you know, we've typically regarded bacteria as bad, you know, and so with that, we've developed hyper hygienic lifestyles and ultra clean lifestyles that actually may be aggravating and deteriorating the health of our skin. Um, so something I just want to ask before you continue, um, why do you think these conditions, why do you think we're seeing a rise in these conditions? Is that due to modern lifestyle? Is it high stress? Is it pollution or diet? It's a combination of all, actually. And with the research in the skin microbiome, we're learning that this dynamic living ecosystem of good bacteria, um, viruses, fungi, even in mites, um, exist on our skin and adapt with the lifestyle we expose it to, be it the environment, the pollutants we expose it to, um, the skincare products and chemicals we apply to the skin, to even what we're consuming. So with the research, we're learning that this, um, the, the combination of these factors is actually deteriorating the health of the skin through the skin microbiome. And what, what are you seeing as the key areas of growth and interest um, for the market as it relates to the skin microbiome? Yeah, I mean, in the last 10 years or so, you know, the advanced uh, testing methods, so gene sequencing uh, methods and research in uh, skin bacteria um, have really, you know, moved so quickly. I mean, 10 years ago, they, they thought there was maybe 100 different bacterial species. Now we know that there's up to 1 billion uh, microorganisms, for example, in one single square centimeter of human skin. So um, the, the complexity and the advancement of understanding uh, microorganisms, their, their subspecies to strains, and how they specifically work on the skin is, is actually very exciting. And um, to date, I think the most relevant claims or benefits that uh, we're looking at for skin health include uh, photoaging, um, acne, uh, atopic dermatitis, rosacea, psoriasis, even dandruff have been correlated with um, a dysbiosis or imbalance of the skin microbiome. 
And I'm really interested to hear more about how research has actually evolved and especially with connecting pre and probiotics to skin health and how much activity is there in, you know, the clinical trial space and the, the depth of research being done around um, the skin microbiome? Yeah, I would say in the last five to six years, there's really been an influx of, of clinical data um, correlating the benefits of um, certain pre and probiotics um, bacteria for skin health, uh, especially with atopic dermatitis. There's been some systematic uh, reviews showing uh, positive benefits for rebalancing the skin microbiome and bringing it back into a balanced state to manage that condition. Um, but also, you know, typically probiotics are highly unstable and in order for them to be uh, beneficial for the, for the body and the skin, they need to be viable and, and living. So with improved manufacturing and stability in, in um, technologies, uh, products are becoming more efficacious, um, both taking through dietary and topical routes. So what we're learning is probiotics or their shelf life is um, extending or they have the ability to stick to the skin and adhere where they can actually um, benefit the skin. Uh, prebiotics, there is an advancement in understanding and how they work, both taken internally and topically um, for the skin as really a source of fuel to those good bacteria or um, probiotics to rebalance the, the microbiome. And then we're also um, seeing metabolites, so non-viable um, metabolites produced by non-living probiotics. So the inactive uh, ingredients potentially found in a, a probiotic skincare product can benefit the skin. So the, the research is advancing in regards to the specificity. So, you know, at one time it was, you know, the whole lactobacillus family and species, mm. but we've really targeted down into the subspecies to strain to actually not, uh, metabolites produced by probiotics and understanding the mechanism of action and how they work in the skin. I think the probiotic space is so interesting at the moment. And what I'd love to hear from you is delivery format wise, what are we seeing as the most popular for skin targeted probiotics and prebiotics? You know, is it ingestibles or are we, you know, still incorporating it into um, creams and serums and things like that? Yeah, that, that's a really good question because, you know, there's been an influx of probiotic skincare in the last few mm. years. And I think the um, some of the challenges there are the stability of those products. Um, so, you know, experts, dermatologists or um, medical experts have questioned the viability of certain uh, probiotic skincare products. And the, the research isn't as advanced as it is per dietary use or nutraceutical yeah. uh, use. So it's, uh, although it's growing very quickly and brands are getting out there and, and marketing themselves, um, that efficacy or mechanism on how it works on the skin is not quite as advanced as the dietary route. Now, that being said, when we take it through dietary route, um, it has to, probiotics specifically, have to withstand the stress test of digestion, right? And, yes, um, yes. you know, with the stability in manufacturing advances, this is improving. But I just read a, an article the other day that sh uh, was talking about consumers adapting or um, looking for more probiotic-based products in beverages and foods over pill form. Now, the downside of that is that it's it's uh, the stability is is superior potentially in that pill form. It's protected, um, but the consumer seems to be looking for those products in more of a, a beverage and, and food form. 
I think I think that's across the industry, um, not only with uh, skincare, but yeah, we're we're definitely seeing a demand in the probiotic space for for ingestible probiotic supplementation. And bringing it back to pre and probiotics, um, what are you seeing as the most promising claims or mechanisms around those um, for rebalancing the skin microbiome? Yeah, I think the, the the key findings to date have been to um, strengthen skin barrier function, so skin moisture and retaining skin moisture and protecting the skin from environmental aggressors, uh, including UVR and, and pollutants. So that would be one. Bringing a skin pH back into a balanced state has also been uh, promising just to um, correct or manage chronic skin conditions. Um, and really working through those immune gut, skin axis, immune regulatory and inflammatory reactions within the skin have really shown some promise in kind of um, bringing this, the skin back to a state of dysbiosis or symbiosis, I should say. And when you're thinking about symbiosis, it's just, you know, the, the, the skin microbiome exists and adapts on each individual based on the lifestyle that they live and what they consume and what they expose it to. So we are unique in, in the microbiome, our constitution. However, there are um, generally more common bacteria that are considered those healthy resident microbes. And when those are present and flourishing um, and balanced, the skin is in a healthy, balanced state. It's able to protect itself more effectively from the environment. It's able to control inflammatory uh, reactions in the skin and whatnot. That's great, and I think the potential is certainly there, and with further research taking place, it will surely unlock all the future possibilities for the space. Um, Paula, before we end off, what do you see the market looking like and offering in the next, let's say, five years? I really see a specificity happening in regards to, uh, right now, it, it's a bit general in regards to probiotics for skin health, for example. So. Um, not every species is going to have the same benefit for skin. So specific strains help to stimulate ceramide production in the skin, for example, or some strains may help to control inflammation um, or control um, pathogenic activity and growth in the skin, while others um, provide a source of fuel for those good uh, um, skin microbes. So I think what we'll see in, in the claims and the labeling is specificity of mechanisms and, and how those strains uh, or species work, particularly on, on the skin. Right. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting to keep an eye on the space and see what develops in the next couple of years. Paula, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Wonderful. Thank you.